0: I'm trained as a biologist. I'm speaking as a sort of a hybrid layperson with some science and some theology. So please keep that in mind. My intention is to try to think of some of the issues that come to the church member, which of course come to us also who are engaged perhaps a little more closely in in some of these issues and to kind of review some of the issues and some of the thinking that might be involved in dealing with some of the issues. So the issue I want to address today is a response to the appeal that we hear from time to time that the scientific evidence forces us to adopt a long-age model. Now, uh, here's the issue. The Bible story is set in a context of a few thousands of years. But the scientific evidence seems to indicate a billion years, more or less, for life on the Earth. I have had colleagues and friends tell me that we must adopt a a, a long-age model. But then when I asked them, well, what is that model? How does it relate to Scripture? What does it what are its implications? Suddenly there's uh, a great deal of vagueness. So let's take a look at uh, some of the implications of a long age model. The question I want to ask is: if we want to find harmony between the Bible and science, then can we do that by adopting a long age? view that incorporates millions of years for the history of living organisms. Well, let's consider where we might put millions of years in the history of the world. One way we might do that is by expanding the events of Creation Week so that Creation Week events expand into millions of years. Can we harmonize the Bible and science with the idea that God's creative activity occurred over long ages following the same sequence as the events of creation week? Well, let's take a look at that idea. Let's compare what the Bible says about the sequence of events and what the geologic column records as a sequence of fossils in the column. And I have used... uh, Uh, Some different colors to indicate the different days of creation so you can follow the list uh, more easily in Genesis on day three you have land plants and fruit trees both mentioned there On day five you have the water creatures and the air creatures And on day six you have the land creatures and humans are of course mentioned specifically there How does that compare with the sequence in the fossil record? Well, the first thing to appear in the fossil record, other than microscopic things which are not even mentioned in scripture, but of the things mentioned in scripture, the first thing to appear in the fossil record are the water creatures, not the plants, but water creatures in the Precambrian. Then the next group to be mentioned are the land plants and the land insects, which are in the Devonian Carboniferous area, And the next ones are the flying insects and the land vertebrates in the Carboniferous. Then in the Triassic Cretaceous, we get uh, fossils that are classified as mammals or pre-mammals. Then birds first appear in the Upper Jurassic and Cretaceous. Fruit trees don't appear until the Cretaceous humans finally appear in the quaternary or the very top of the geologic column the only similarity really of the two lists is that humans appear last both lists other than that the lists are clearly different they are in conflict we cannot find harmony between the bible and science by expanding creation week into millions of years so the sequence of Genesis is quite different from the sequence of appearances in the fossil record. And this rules out any theory, any theory, that Genesis is a condensed version of what God did over long ages of time. And these, that this would be day-age theories. Day-age theories were popular at one time, but as the fossil record is compared to Genesis, we find they, it doesn't work. Well, let's try another approach. Let's put millions of years before creation week. Let's suppose there was some kind of history of life that went on for millions of years, and then God came in and created what's recorded in Genesis. Can we harmonize the Bible and science by inserting millions of years before the Genesis creation? Well, if that were the case, we would expect to find in the fossil record first appearances of living organisms at approximately the same place in the fossil record. We should start at some place where the new creation started, we should start seeing new fossils that correlate with what we see living today. Here are some examples of the first appearances of modern types of organisms. First, modern humans appear in the upper Pleistocene. Sheep first appear in the upper Pliocene. That's a difference. Doves, which are mentioned on the ark, in the lower Miocene, another difference. And these differences are, in the geologic time scale, millions of years apart in difference. Snake-necked turtles, which are found in the southern hemisphere. We're not so familiar with them up here in North America, but uh, you'll see them in zoos. Uh, But they're found in the lower Cretaceous, still living, but in the lower Cretaceous is their first appearance. The disc-tongued frog is found in the middle Jurassic. And the lungfish of the same family as the Australian lungfish is found in the Lower Triassic. Well, there's quite a spread. How do you get a creation week in which living organ, the, the what we have alive today, is created at the same time, but the fossil of first appearance is scattered over literally hundreds of millions of years if you take the geologic time scale and starting from the lower triassic where the lungfish appear my conclusion is no there is no point in the fossil record where different types of living organisms all appear together instead they first appear at widely varying points in the fossil record this therefore rules out the theory that the genesis creation replaced an older creation that had become corrupted. This kind of theory is, is, is the gap theory. The gap theory was quite uh, popular, partly as the result of the influence of the Schofield Bible back in the early 1900s. It has been largely abandoned by Christians of all faiths today. What if we were to put Creation Week, a third approach, if we were put creation week long a time ago, with millions of years since the creation week. So the idea here is you have the six days of creation and the seventh-day Sabbath, and then you have millions of years since that time uh, uh, in which uh, life and the fossil record accumulated. Can the Bible and science be harmonized if the creation week was millions of years ago? Well, there's a problem here in that, in the fossil record, there is a sorting process. We do not find all sorts of creatures mixed together in the fossil record. Rather, they're sorted out into layers. In the Precambrian, which is the lowermost portion of the geologic column, we find mostly bacteria and algae. There are no (coughs) land vertebrates in the Precambrian, to say the least. Uh, Paleozoic is the next set of layers, a a lot of layers, but a group together in the Paleozoic. There you find marine animals and coal plants, some at the upper Paleozoic, some land vertebrates. But uh, there, there are different sorts of things to what you find in the Mesozoic. The Mesozoic is the only place you find dinosaurs. There are no dinosaurs in the Paleozoic or in the Cenozoic. They're sorted out somehow. In the Cenozoic, we find the kinds of land vertebrates, uh, the sorts that we still have living today. So how could you get a creation week in which all these things were created at the same time, and then over time, somehow for the first couple hundred million years, the only things that were preserved were certain kinds of marine organisms and uh, coal plants. And then for the next couple of hundred million years, the only things that are preserved are dinosaurs. That that probably is not very plausible. So the conclusion is, no. If all types of animals were present for millions of years, they should be mixed throughout the fossil record. And therefore, either they were not all present at the same time, or they were buried in a short time by some kind of process that sorted them out into different layers. So that theory doesn't work either. Here we have a question of faith. We really don't have enough information given to us to resolve the tension between science and the Bible. We don't have enough evidence. I believe God calls us to a life of faith. I believe it is, shall I say, biblically correct, to believe God's word without scientific proof. Science works very well, and I do not want to put science down. It is a wonderful process. It helps us to advance our understanding of how God works in nature. However, in the process, we do not consider that God is working in nature. We try to separate God out and see, uh, that is, the supernatural kinds of things. And when you get into history, historical questions, you have a different kind of context. We can say, when we're in the laboratory, we do not think God is intervening. We do not think that when we pour two chemicals together, God is doing something different from what he does the rest of the time. He's constantly sustaining nature, he's He's always there, but he's consistent. Would we make that claim about history? Would we say that in history, God has never intervened? I think most of us would say that's probably not a very good position for a person of faith. In science, we can have scientific revolutions, even in experimental questions, questions such as the nature of light have undergone a complete scientific revolution in the uh, 19th and 20th centuries. If you can have scientific revolutions in questions in which which laboratory analysis is possible, how much more likely in questions that are historical, which cannot really be captured in the laboratory. The Bible views the world as a part of a divine creation originated and sustained by supernatural action, while science views the world as part of an autonomous, that means self-governing, closed system. That means no God acting from outside nature, governed only by physical laws. Can you see that those two systems are, at their foundation, likely to bring tension? Not that 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 doesn't explain the answer to our questions, but it does tell us that it's not unexpected to find some tension. Now, there's one other aspect that I I don't have slides here for, but that is the idea of, of, could we consider a fourth way in which long ages of time might be put in there, and that is by the, the process of God guiding a d- process that goes gradually over millions of years, theistic evolution, we could call it, where you have uh, descent with modification, and, uh, uh, but not due to Darwinian. Darwin, Dar- it, 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 this is something every Adventist ought to know. The idea of theistic evolution was totally unacceptable to Darwin. Asa Gray, the American botanist, tried to persuade Darwin that he could put God into the process. They were good friends. Darwin said, if you have God in the process, you do not need my theory. So never think, never think that theistic evolution and Darwinism are compatible. They are different, and they are incompatible. Darwin rejected the idea that God was guiding evolution because of the problem of evil. If God is guiding evolution, then God is causing birth defects. If God is guiding evolution, then he's causing all the genetic defects that cause cancer and so on. Uh, It it doesn't seem the kind of God the Bible talks about. And there are some theological problems with theistic evolution, such as what I just described. There are also scientific problems with theistic evolution. When you look at nature, it does not look to be a continuous process. There are gaps. There are gaps in the process. Now, a theistic evolutionist can say, well, God covers the gaps. That is a kind of an approach called God of the gaps approach. (laughs) And most scientists are very uncomfortable with a God-of-the-gaps approach. So there are both theological and scientific problems with theistic evolution, and it does not bring harmony between science and Scripture. We can enjoy the benefits, some conclusions here. We can enjoy the benefits of both the Bible and science. uh, The science brings us many benefits. Where tensions arise, we do not make faith a hostage of science but we choose a life of faith. And we choose that life of faith knowing that we chose it by faith. We were not compelled to that choice. We freely chose it because of our faith. Thank you.